I was told that the, the men in our military would like this one better. I, this is for you, John. Okay, you ready? A squad stood in formation at Pensacola Naval Air Station. The flight instructor said, all right, all you idiots, fall out. Most of the squad wandered away, but one guy remained in it, at attention. The instructor walked over to him and raised a single eyebrow, and the guy smiled and said, sure was a lot of them, wasn't there, sir? Okay. Let me see here. Okay, I can't remember if I read this one or not. If I did, please forgive me. Don't worry, we'll forgive you after you tell us what time it is. Yes. <laughs> Two children went into their parents' bathroom and noticed the scale in the corner. Whatever you do, cautioned one child to the younger one, don't step on it. Why not, asked his little brother, because every time mom does, she lets out an awful scream. <clears throat> yes. <coughs> men, listen to this one closely, especially young married men. Ready? An efficiency expert was delivering a seminar on time management for a company's junior executives. He concluded the session with the disclaimer, Please do not attempt these task organizing tips at home. Why not, he was asked. Well, I did a study of my wife's routine of fixing breakfast, he replied. A little embarrassed, I noticed that she made a lot of trips between the refrigerator and the stove, the table and the cabinets, each time carrying only one item. So I asked her, honey, I noticed that you make a lot of trips back and forth carrying one item at a time. If you would try carrying several things at once, you would be much more efficient. He paused, and one of the junior executives asked him, did that save time? He says, actually, yes, the expert answered. It used to take her 20 minutes to fix my breakfast. Now I make it in seven minutes. So that's how that works. Okay, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. If your wife makes you breakfast, if she burns it, tell her how good it is, please. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. I like that. And that's not my message, but I like it. You know something? When you're saved, you know what you're called? You're called a saint. Amen? One declared righteous by God. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, and the title of this message is Paul's prayers for them, or Paul's request. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that ye may approve things which are excellent, and that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. You notice there in the last, from verse 9 through 11, there's four requests that Paul made 
he's asking them and what he'd ask for the people, what he'd like to see God do. And the first one I think is very important in this day and age, and it says there, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Some people will use an excuse, and I, I want you to understand this. When you try to help somebody, and sometimes to help them, you've got to warn them. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay. If you do it in a loving manner, they may receive it. Okay. If you don't, they won't. Do you understand what I'm saying? That your love may abound more and more in what? In knowledge, in all judgment. Okay, and in judgment, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to go through our Bibles a little bit tonight. I may not finish this tonight. It may do, we may do a point or two. And then do the, there are two more points next week. However, this will work out. Okay? But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, and in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4, it says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him in what? That you're enriched by Jesus Christ in what you say. It says in all utterance. You know what that is? It's what you say. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. My poor grandchildren this afternoon, I was trying to help my, my, my son and my daughter-in-law, my two grandchildren, and when I get doing something, it's move it, move it, quicker, move now, come on, get going. And it comes across sometimes with young people that I'm not nice. I want to be nice. Okay, but sometimes my old nature can get in the way with that, and I, I, know, I know, and Derek's already learned how to handle me better. Okay, Sammy gets offended sometimes. I'm saying you got to be tough, bro, buddy. You just got to be tough. Yeah, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just telling you what you need to do, and Derek just goes, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir," and then he walks away shaking his head. So yeah, you have to be careful. It's in all utterance. So I'm saying, say. I tell people all the time, when I have to counsel people in marriage, I tell them to taste their words before they speak them. A word fitly spoken is like what? Apples of gold and pitchers of silver. That should give you a good image in your mind. It should some think you have to be careful in what you say there. So it says, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end. I like that. You know, that's eternal security. Who's the one who's going to keep me and confirm me to the end? That ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So in all utterance and knowledge, it's gonna we're not cookie cutters. Okay, I'm not talking about Christian lemmings. You know, it's like one goes guy goes off the cliff, so you're all gonna follow him. That's not what it's talking about, but it's talking about a spirit of unity. And you know what happens in any situation. When you love a person properly, you don't have to get offended by them. 
You understand what I'm saying? So that idea that you may grow in knowledge and all judgment. Okay. Um, okay, I kid all the time. You know, like if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Okay, your Bible tells you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, honoring the wife as the weaker vessel and heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Okay, it tells the wife, you know, you turn around and you say, whoa, I've got to make her feel special. Yeah. Don't you know she's told to be in subjection unto you in all things? You better make her feel special. Okay, I want you to understand, it says in all knowledge and all judgment, and it tells us that there should be no divisions. You don't want to hear that. Okay, I was just at a pastor's conference, and the, the pastor there handed out this, this eight-page thing that he gave to all the pastors, and he's talking about how to deal with trouble in your church. And he goes, and I know how to do it. I've been in the ministry 42 years, and I've been through four church splits. And it's telling me everything that's wrong with the people in the church. Uh, Pastor Keenan and I talked to him. He said, I don't need to read that. He said, I know where you're going with it, don't you, preacher? And I go, yeah, the guy's been through four of them. Do you think he may have, should have been a little bit more examining how he dealt with the people that caused them to leave? <laughs> Just saying, okay? That's the way it works, but it tells you to be in all knowledge and in all judgment, okay? you got to understand, and it tells you, you be of the same mind, the same judgment. If you're willing to listen to what God's Word says, you ought to be able to come to an agreement on that. Amen? You're going to understand God talks more about people in God's Word than He does places or possessions. So that tells me that God wants to put an emphasis on relationships. So this is what this is speaking about, okay? Go to, uh, let me see, now that's verse 10. Jump over to verse 17, same chapter. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? Be careful where you get your counsel from. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world that by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And the reason I want you to read this, and it comes into all knowledge and judgment, is because if what you are trying to espouse with your mouth, and Pastor Kinney told me to stop saying pie hole, okay? So I'm saying with your mouth, all right? If it's not in agreement with God's word, better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
Remember those old Chinese proverbs? I don't know what Chinese guy gave it to us, but it was I can remember when I was a kid. All right, so you look at this, and he's telling you, in verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. If you're glorying in the Lord, and the person in the church with you is glorying in the Lord, you know what you're going to have? Something you're both glorying in in common. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Now, if I glory in myself and you glory in yourself, we can have a problem because my glory will shine greater than your glory. Isn't that the way people think? All right, see... <laughs> We're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So we have to be careful with that. So it says that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I asked Judy when I go home, I said, what do you think of the message? And I know if she goes, well, honey, it was, it was good, you know, and I, I was convicted here. And I know that's fine. Well, no, it's not the buts. It's the difference when she says honey and she tells me about the message or I hear, well, James. And now she's tasting her words to say, okay, you could have been nicer with that. Okay, so it's something we, we all have to work on. You need to understand how that goes. It works in each of our lives in that way. Now, look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 8. The Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the what? The knowledge of who. It's not of what, it's of who. When they heard the Apostles talking, the one thing they took note of is that they had been with Jesus. Do you notice, until, until he was dealing with spiritual hypocrites, Jesus didn't get aggressive. He dealt with ignorant people. He has to because he dealt with me. Okay, But when someone starts to think there's something that they're not, then Jesus could then call them hypocrites, liars. He would deal with them, scribes, hypocrites, Pharisees. You know, the, the, they strained a gnat. Okay, so I want you to understand, when you look at this, and he's saying, our knowledge is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now I'm going to stop for a second. I want you, what is the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. The second is like unto the first. If you can learn the two commandments, you won't have to worry about the ten. Amen? Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after it, if I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press to the mark of the high calling of God in who? Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it even this unto you. When he says forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before, he's not just saying, well, I did it, so I'm just going to forget about it. Well, I, I messed up or I sinned, I said something bad, I'm just going to forget about it. I can't, can't dwell on that. Because that, that's in contradiction to what he teaches in other places where you keep your account short with God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I guarantee you that the Apostle Paul, who could be a, a fairly aggressive personality, okay, had a very good prayer life with his Savior and with the Heavenly Father, and he would have to confess and take care of it. So then, when you give it to God, where is it supposed to stay? With him. All right, and I want you to understand there when he says, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to that which is before, if you live in your past, if you have done something wrong and you have not repented of it and made it right, you ought to feel guilty. And it will continue to affect you. But if you've asked forgiveness from God and you've gone and tried to restore the relationship with those people affected by it, then you've given it to God, let it go to Him. Don't let the accuser of the brethren continue to rip you apart about that which you've already confessed and given to Him. Does that make sense to you? Okay, because you know what we have so many times, we let our past affect our present, which can steal our future. And that's what the Apostle Paul means by that. He kept his account short. Husband and wives that don't talk together have problems. Okay? I'm telling you right now, you ought to be able to pray with your wife, pray with your husband, do devotions with them, talk through situations. It helps a lot. You don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Because when you do, it says in that passage, neither give place to the devil. So he's saying, forgetting those things that are behind. The Apostle Paul, what does the Scriptures tell us about him? Before he was saved, what was he? He was a persecutor of the believers to the point that he's the one who brought about the death of Stephen. Right? And God called him out of that. And so we hear about Paul the aged. 
I want you to understand how this works. Because I tell you, you've got to be able to, because the, the devil will continue. One, he will tempt you. I tell you that all the time. Two, when you give in to the temptation, then he will accuse you. And if you repent and you make your way right with God, he will continue to accuse you until you realize what God has done with it. I'm going to finish with this idea, and I want you to think about it. I've talked about it before. What, we sing a song in our hymn book, it's called, What Sins Are You Talking About? Why? I don't remember them anymore. Father Abraham, the father of faith. If you only knew Abraham from the book of Genesis, you're saying he did some good things and he did some things that you wives would shoot your husbands for. Yes? Okay. If you looked at the Old Testament and the life of David, we know that. David is a man after God's own heart. Isn't it interesting that it says, talking about who will rule and reign over us, that they will have the sure mercies of who? David. A man after God's own heart. But if you look at the Old Testament and you see what he did, but you know what? God doesn't rehearse that, does he? In the New Testament. And I've said it before, and I, I want you to get it, because some people don't. It talks about just Lot. Not just Lot, but just as in righteous before God, Lot. Vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's the only thing it says about him. Now, I'm not going back, but if you read the account of Lot, okay, out in a cave on a mountainside, he'd be in prison today for what he did. But that's not how God sees him. Because forgetting those things that are behind when they're given to God and reaching forth to those things that are before, I can press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus because we are told to let the love of Christ, let your love abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment. And all God's people said, good night and God bless.